Locked On Podcast Network and Odyssey present Locked On Sports Today. The Big 12 could be getting bigger. Does Rudy Gobert make the Wolves title contenders? And the return of Max Scherzer sends a jolt into the World Series chase. I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the can't-miss stories and biggest debates in sports. You're Locked On Sports Today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. At a certain point, these conferences are just going to have to rename themselves a range. It's going to be the big 12 to 18 to 24 or something like that. New reports say the Pac-12 is in further disarray after the Big 12 is looking to add at least a couple of names, according to a CBS report, Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, Colorado, Washington, Oregon, potentially on the table. Joining me now from Locked On Big 12, Josh Neighbors. And Josh, this is a Big 12 that is reeling a bit after Oklahoma and Texas decided to walk. So what does this mean for the future of the Big 12 right now? Uh, we are in a much different place than we were a year ago. I mean, there was a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety about the future, obviously some hurt feelings about the current state of affairs that was going on. But um, and, and, and to that, I just want to say, like, you know, we do feel for the Pac-12 in a way, but this is kind of business now. This is the way things work. And um, the Big 12 is being proactive and saying, all right, USC and UCLA are gone. Um you know, the Pac-12 will look to stay alive in a few different avenues. Um, and they might even come after Big 12 teams. Who knows? Let's get after them first. And I will say this, the four teams you, you mentioned, Peter, you know, with the Arizona State, Arizona, Utah, and Colorado, those are the first four that we heard. Sounds good. But the real prize would be Oregon and Washington, two of the best, um, you know, programs the Pac-12 has. Seattle, obviously, a very coveted television market washington program has had a lot of success in the past then oregon really the the nike face of college football uh they are nike college football so if they were able to snag those two uh because right now we're hearing there's a holding pattern with notre dame and the big 10 which could dictate what else happens here the, the big 12 needs to be aggressive in trying to get as many of these teams as possible to, to kind of solidify themselves what i like about this one more than what the Big Ten is doing with UCLA and USC, or even what the SEC did, we know why they went and got Oklahoma and Texas. It was program. It was the, the glamour of those programs. But Colorado, Utah, Arizona, Arizona State, they feel like there's at least some overlap there with the, some of the schools that are already there, particularly with Colorado, with Utah. You can, you can sell me on those being Big 12 schools it's a lot harder when I'm talking about UCLA and USC as Big Ten programs. That just my my college football, college basketball brain just doesn't allow me to do that. And for that reason, I actually think this is the smartest version of this that we've seen so far. Unfortunately, I think you're right that really the ultimate success or failure probably hinges on what happens with Oregon and and Washington. Yeah, those those are the two big brands. Andy Staples wrote an article at the Athletic a while ago. Is basically like the Wheel of Twenty Four. And it was a 24 schools that give you kind of the TV bump and Oregon and Washington were both listed there. Um, and look, those are two schools that have been to the college ball playoff out of, out of the, you know, the PAC 12. Um, obviously, you know, Seattle and Nike are the two big things that you're kind of bringing to the table there. I, I will say this to your point about what makes sense. Like the big 12 ostensibly at this point, it looks like they're going to get the Holy war. 
like Utah and BYU, which is going to be awesome to have those two teams in there. Arizona, Arizona State, not too far away, obviously, from Texas. So that makes sense. And hey, Colorado was a Big 12 school. So all that stuff makes a lot of sense. All that stuff makes a lot of sense. The ones that don't are, I mean, well, you know, nothing, I mean, nothing makes sense anymore. But like the ones that would make sense sense would end up being Oregon and Washington. But once again, UCLA and USC are going to go play Rutgers, which I believe I saw last week. Like I think the distance from uh, Piscataway to Reykjavik, Iceland is just a little bit more than the distance from Piscataway to Los Angeles. So, you know, uh, it wouldn't be as ridiculous as that. Or, you know, it would be close to that, obviously, with Washington and Oregon and then also UCF in the right corner of the country. So that stuff doesn't really matter anymore, though. That's out the window. This, I think, brings into uh, a, a real important inflection point in, in college athletics, especially with college football, because college football in particular is so regional. That's why we have these conferences. If we're just going to do away with the conferences, I'm fine with that. But let's try and find a way to keep some of the, the regional part of this, because you mentioned the Holy War. If you lose the rivalries, you lose so much of what makes college sports so great. And it feels like there's there's just no planning for that in here. Yeah, it's, you know, this is such a big part of what we talk about because, you know, what's happening now is they're telling they're telling people, and I'm actually wearing my Kansas State shirt right now. They're telling like the Kansas State people, like, you know, you don't matter. They're telling Washington State in Oregon State, that you do not matter. They're telling the Utahs and the Colorados and the Arizonas and the Arizona States that you don't matter. And here's the thing, Peter, is that like, okay, I, you know, I went to Missouri. I can watch an Alabama game. Uh, You know, somebody went to Kansas State and go and watch an Alabama game because their team is in the same sport. It's the same league. If you don't have any interest, you know this, you cover the NFL, like there aren't a whole lot of agnostic NFL fans out there, right? So if you create the Super League, sure, it's a pretty decent product, but there is a better pro football model out there. It's called the NFL. So if my team's not competing in the same league as in Alabama, why should I care what happens in an Alabama and Ohio State game, right? It feels pretty far right now, but at least my teams are in the same you know, division, the same, same league. That, that's what we're starting to risk, and I'm really interested to see if that actually ends up hurting them on the TV side of things. I could be wrong, but... I think that's a wrinkle maybe we're not fully planning for 100%. Josh has you covered every day on how the Big 12 factors into realignment and a whole lot more. You can find Locked on Big 12 everywhere you get podcasts, including the Odyssey app. Thanks for making Locked on Sports today your first listen. Coming up, the T-Wolves are a different team with Rudy Gobert. From the people who invented healthy and tasty comes the latest gift for your taste buds. You've probably tried the amazing coconut brownie chunk built bar. They're my favorite. Now they have gotten the puffs treatment. That's right. The coconut brownie chunk built bar flavor that you love in a deliciously chewy marshmallow covered in 100% real chocolate. You still get the low calorie, the low sugar, the high protein with the deliciousness. Now you get the marshmallow Two, go to built.com and use the promo code locked 15 for 15% off your order. What are you waiting on? Delicious, coconut, rich, sweet brownie, creamy marshmallow. Stop fantasizing. Go to built.com and order your box of coconut brownie chunk built bars right now and use the promo code locked 15 to get 15% off that 
order. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. Demarius Thomas had a degenerative brain disease known as CTE, according to doctors from Boston University. Thomas was found dead in his Roswell, Georgia home last year. Dr. Ann McKee, part of the Boston University Research Group, said that you cannot die from CTE. What CTE does is change your behavior and personality. Family members said that on top of the seizures that began in 2020, Thomas would say things like, I don't feel like myself anymore. Doctors at Boston University said Thomas had stage two CTE. Stage four is the most severe and is associated with dementia. Chet Holmgren, the number two pick in the NBA draft, is already making waves, and at his size, they're big waves. In his professional debut, Holmgren became the first player in summer league history to record at least five blocks and hit four three-pointers, according to ESPN Stats and Info. Holmgren doesn't lack for confidence either, saying he hopes to break his own record for blocks the very next game. And speaking of impressive rookies, rookie first-round draft pick Keegan Murray had another big game to help the Kings finish undefeated at the California Classic with an 87-75 victory over the LA Lakers on Tuesday. Murray finished with 24 points and 7 rebounds for the Kings, who went unbeaten for the first time in the four-year history of the event. And on the diamond, the Texas Rangers lost another game they shouldn't have. This one to the Baltimore Orioles. I'm I'm so sick of this team that is making me absolutely nauseous. A disgusting, another disgusting extra innings loss for the Rangers. I'm Bryce Paddock, host of the Locked On Stupid Baseball Team That Can't Win Baseball Games podcast. Rangers lose 10-9 in 10 innings, again, to the Orioles. A game-tying home run to the bottom of the ninth inning by who else? But Rugned freaking Odor still terrorizing this team even though he's not on it. Went 0 for 4 until that glorious, stupid moment. I am so sick of watching this baseball team. A three-run lead, excuse me, two-run lead-giving home run by uh, Corey Seager. His 16th of the season wasn't enough. Nathaniel Lowe's 12th home run of the year was not enough. Mitch Garver's 10th home run of the year was not enough. A mostly trash performance from Spencer Howard where he didn't give up any home runs at least for the first time this year wasn't good enough and Dennis Santana got lit up the Rangers every single good Ranger reliever got lit up I am just disgusted frustrated so beyond done with this stupid baseball team and it's only July at least they're not losing 100 games this year but they're probably losing 95 and I'm sick of it is another story you need to know. It's the superstar trade everyone is talking about. Well, it's the superstar trade that's already happened. Rudy Gobert going to the Minnesota Timberwolves from the Utah Jazz for an absolute haul. Joining me now from Locked on Wolves, Ben Beacon. And Ben, this trade shifted the landscape in the Western Conference. One team in one direction with the Utah Jazz, another team continuing its ascent in Minnesota, albeit in a very flat state, but they are going straight up there. How much better does Rudy Gobert make the Wolves this season? Yeah, I, I mean, that's that's the million-dollar question, and, and obviously everyone's talking about the draft pick compensation. I think if we just talk about how much better are they, the easiest way to look at this is, 
you're adding a top 20 player, I think pretty unquestionably, to a team already with a top 20 player in Carl Anthony Towns. And Anthony Edwards wasn't an all-star last year, but he was close. And I think everybody, pretty much anybody you talk to is going to say, he's not far away from becoming a top 20, 25 player. Uh, and if you have two, if you have three top 20 players, or another way to look at it is you have two of the best offensive players, most unique offensive talents in the league in Towns and Edwards, you had arguably the best defender, a three-time defensive player of the year, certainly one of the top three or four defenders in the entire league. Um, even if you don't buy, you know, that he's as good of a defender as a Giannis or a healthy Kawhi or a Draymond Green, he's absolutely, you can't deny that he impacts the game defensively in a serious way. So um, given that there's now a legit big three, and we're not even talking, you know, I'm not including D'Angelo Russell. Um, they're absolutely in that three to five seed conversation. And obviously there's a, you know, a lot, a lot of questions out there with injuries to other teams. Uh, but I think sitting here right now, if you told me they got the three, four or five seed, that that's probably, uh, that's probably what I would bet on happening. Yeah. And part of the conversation with Gobert has been, okay, well he'll help them in the regular season, but in the postseason, it's going to be different. But when I look at the West and we, we don't even have to extrapolate this. We saw the Wolves play the Warriors, or excuse me, play the Grizzlies mm -hmm. um, and give the Grizz everything they could handle in that series. Rudy Gobert in that, in that game, they could have won that series with Rudy Gobert. Then you look around, it's like, okay, how many of the other teams really scare you? I, I, I think this is interesting. So if Rudy Gobert plays in that Grizzlies-Wolves series, is the outcome different, do you think? I think so. I mean, I mean, anyone who watched the Wolves had double digit leads and I, I believe uh, four of the six or excuse me, uh, three of the five games. Um, and they gave up famously, infamously two <laughs> double two twenty plus uh, point ha second half leads in that series. And so much of it was John Morant just, you know, getting to the rim and wreaking havoc on a team with no backline defender. Carl Anthony Towns was often uh, his role. If you don't watch the Timberwolves, his role was not really to protect the rim. He was often on the perimeter in, in a blitzing pick and roll scheme, which is why his rebound numbers were down a little. He's not a natural rim protector anyway. Jared Vanderbilt wasn't blocking shots at the rim and uh, Rudy Gobert is going to. Uh, so I, I think and also rebounding too. Brandon Clark absolutely destroyed them in a couple of games. Just uh, pretty much one through nine uh, with each team, the, the Grizzlies rebounded the ball much better. So I think the rebounding, the rim protection are the two things the Wolves needed. And Rudy Gobert is, you could argue, the best at both of those things in the entire league. So they filled those holes in a, in a really, uh, literally big way. <laughs> they did indeed. I, I, we just had that discussion, but I do think it is worth interrogating this a bit because... I mentioned the Warriors accidentally. The, the Clippers should be healthy here coming up this season and, and be a factor in the West. The Mavericks um, exposed the Jazz, albeit with a very different group of wings playing on defense. So in those matchups in the postseason, how do you think this impacts how the Wolves are going to play in those games? Well, I think the biggest thing is the Wolves just have better perimeter defenders than the Utah Jazz. Uh, I mean, you, I could name four guys that are better than, you know, you could maybe argue Royce O'Neal would be in the conversation. He didn't have a great playoff, certainly. But, I mean, the Timberwolves have, Jaden McDaniels is a coveted player. Um, there was the reports the Jazz wanted him rather than a couple of additional first-round picks. The Wolves said, no, we'll give you the extra picks instead. Jaden McDaniels uh, is really good defensively right now, um, and he's only 20 years old. Uh, and the Wolves also have Anthony Edwards was a sneaky good on-ball defender last year. He has some work to do off the ball, but perimeter contain the Wolves already have those two guys. You add in uh, Kyle Anderson, former Memphis Grizzlies player, who's a really good team and individual defender. Torian Prince is a switchable defender. Um, I, you know, I would like, 
I would even say D'Angelo Russell's a better defender than say Jordan Clarkson. I mean, he's not a good defender, but the Jazz had a had a really miserable perimeter defense. And so Gobert was being asked to to cover those guys when they were getting blown by on the perimeter, guard the paint, protect the rim, and then hustle back out to the corner and contest an open three by Maxi Kluber, whoever it was. Um, and uh, that was an issue. Uh, so I think that's the biggest thing. Now, you're right. I mean, the Warriors and the Clippers especially are teams that like to play small and can give the Wolves issues. Uh, and we saw the Warriors do that to the Jazz. We heard Clay Thompson talk about how they were trying to get Gobert in actions and trying to get him scrambling. But that's because there was no other defenders on the jazz. And so if you're keeping Rudy busy, you could do anything you wanted elsewhere on the floor. And um, I think the wolves thought is we've got enough guys that aren't going to get just completely destroyed on the perimeter one-on-one uh, that, that we can at least make this thing, you know, competitive. And obviously the other thing is the fallback. You can play small, still put towns at the five, you know, quote unquote small. Um, you don't really want your $40 million guy on the bench in crunch time, but like the wolves should still be pretty competitive if that situation were to arise. Um, so, I, but I think the biggest thing is the Jazz just had a miserable. I mean, they were a top ten defense despite having a bunch of poor perimeter defenders. Ben will keep you up to date on the new and improved Wolves. You can catch Locked On Wolves everywhere you get podcasts, including Odyssey. Coming up, the Mets have gotten their superstar free agent pitcher back. Here's what to look for on Bet Online, your number one spot for all of your gambling needs. How about a way too early look at the NBA MVP race? Luka Doncic is the favorite at plus 425. Giannis Antetokounmpo, 6-1. Joel Embiid, 7-1. Kevin Durant, 9-1. Nikola Jokic, 12-1. Steph Curry, 12-1. Jason Tatum, John Morant, also at 12-1. Bet online where the game starts. The New York Mets look like the favorites to win the National League. Not just the East, but the entire league. They've done it without one of the best pitchers in recent memory. Now he's back, and Ryan Finkelstein, host of Locked on Mets, is, as you can imagine, excited. If you get the Grom and Scherzer for the entire second half, that's something that we've been dreaming about here since the Mets signed Scherzer. And it's going to be the best one-two punch in baseball. Might be the best one-two punch we've seen in the last decade. One of the greatest one-two punches of all time, potentially. That's how good they could be. You're talking about the last 10 years, and there hasn't been really any pitchers better than Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer. Scherzer, for his consistency as just being a constant top three Cy Young finisher for a decade. DeGrom for showing us the, the heights that a pitcher can get to that we've rarely seen before. The Mets get that. That's why I'm very hesitant to, to really kind of say the Mets have to push all their chips into the table to win this year at the deadline. It's almost an old Will Pond thought, hey, the guy we get back from injury is going to be the deadline acquisition. But you're talking about two top five pitchers of baseball returning to your rotation. That's better than anything you could possibly imagine at the deadline. That's why I don't believe the Mets will trade for a starting pitcher. Bullpen, DH, those are the areas where they're going to be looking at, in my opinion. And this is the difference ownership can make. You can imagine Mets new owner Steve Cohen, who has made billions in finance, being interrupted in a meeting, having his front office staff telling him the numbers on Max Serger when they're getting ready to sign this monstrous contract. And he's saying, yes, sure, whatever it takes to get it done. That had not been the case in the New York Mets organization. Ownership did not spend that way. That sort of investment 
is necessary. If you're going to have a market like New York, you're going to draw. That's the point. If you're not willing to spend, you're wasting an opportunity. You're wasting resources. And sure, there are small market teams that make this work. There are teams that don't have monstrous payrolls that have become year after year successful. At some point, you do need to go and spend your money to get some top level talent to push you over the top, or at least most teams do. But the Mets had issued that route. They had given up one of the few advantages that they had. This new management group, new ownership group, does not seem like they're going to waste those opportunities. And finally, the Seahawks and Blazers are not for sale. At least not yet. This according to Jody Allen, trustee of the Paul G. Allen Trust, since her Microsoft co-founder brother passed away in 2018. Her statement comes on the heels of last month's report that Nike founder Phil Knight and LA Dodgers part owner Alan Smolinski made an unsolicited offer of more than $2 billion to buy the Blazers. Jody Allen wants to build championship teams just like her brother. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast to make them your second listen. Coming up tomorrow, could Kevin Durant already have a new home? So at least until tomorrow, stay Locked On Sports today.